Hey guys, guess what? This is my 11th episode. I am so excited. So this is going to be the beginning of season two of my podcast. And I'm so excited that I made it to a new season. I know that you guys may be thinking, oh yeah, big deal. No, that's a huge deal for me. So um, it's not, especially with my personality type, sometimes it's tough to stick to things. But um, this has been so rewarding and I have been so excited that I have made it this long. So back to my last episode, I had to apologize because I kind of dropped the ball a little bit, mostly because life, you know, life happens, right? We friends. So, um, you know, hopefully everybody forgave me. And, you know, I'm not super arrogant in the way that I just think that people are like, you know, absolutely clinging to the hope of an episode coming out on Monday. However, if you were waiting, I really am sorry. So um, I'm going to tell you why I kind of like was so busy. So I had my Enneagram retreat with my girlfriends and it was an absolute blast. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit of kind of what happened and what went on. I could not have asked for a better retreat. And um, me being an eight, it was super fun to put together, to think of everybody um, individually, to make sure that everybody was going to have a good time. But because I'm not that protector and I'm that challenger, it's also a bit exhausting because I'm constantly like, you know, working my way around. Is everybody having a good time? Is everybody being taken care of? And so then after the retreat, it takes me about, I mean, it takes a significant amount of time, I would say, <laughs> at least a week for me to feel like, you know, I'm I've got the energy back to like function again. Um, I kind of retract into that five a little bit. And um, yeah, I just need some like introverted time. So anyway, so that's kind of what has been going on. But the retreat was such a blast, you guys. So we had it at this cabin and um, we had just so much fun. I had one friend from my childhood that I haven't seen in probably good heavens, 20, 25 years. Like seriously, it's been a super long time since I've seen her. And it was so incredibly fun to have her there. It was like, like a blast from the past. It was like jumping back into my childhood. And it actually brought up a lot of things that I am super excited to talk about. Um, so, uh, but then I also had my, um, my girlfriend, Holly, that was there. She's been my friend since I was six and, um, she was there. And then I had, um, I had my other girlfriends. I had my girlfriends that I have here that, and it's interesting because they're all part of different groups, right? Um, all my friends, all my dear friends, um, but it, but they were all from like different parts of my life. So then my sister-in-law, Allison came and I, I felt like I bonded with Allison in such a way that I probably wouldn't have bonded with her any other way. It was so good to just have that one-on-one -on -one time with her. And it was such an awesome experience. And then we had two other girls that, um, came that were friends with my, my girlfriend, Cami. They did a play together and they were, it was so fun to get to know new people. And they had, they were such fun personalities. Um, and everybody, there were a lot of nines at my, at the Enneagram retreat. I, like, does that surprise you? 
I told you I collect nines <laughs> and they just, there's, they bring a peace and just a fun aspect to everything. And so it was super fun. So we had, let me think. Okay. So my girlfriend, Brittany was a one. My girlfriend, Cammie is a nine. My girlfriend, Holly's a nine. My um, girlfriend, Amanda was a nine. And my sister-in-law, Allison is a nine. Okay. Lots of nines. Then we had a seven and we had a four who were the new girls that I just got to meet. And then there was me, of course, and I'm the eight, right? So, um, we, and, oh, and my other sister-in-law, Jamie was there and she is a two. And, um, so we kind of had a vast, like majority uh, or I mean, we had a wide range of numbers out there, but we had a lot of nines. And then um, we had a, a one girl that her life got, you know, out, things came up. And so she came for a little bit and she is a six. And um, anyway, and so she popped in, in and out. And so we wish she would have been able to stay longer, but um, her kids got sick. So naturally family comes first. So anyway, so it was seriously just a blast. It was so fun. Um, and you know, we didn't do anything like super specific. We didn't, um, you know, it was just, we got to catch up. We got to have fun giggle. I cannot tell you how therapeutic it was just to laugh. We got together and we said silly things and we talked about silly things, silly memories. And it was just so good to just like, have those moments that you laugh so hard that your stomach hurts or that you're crying or it just, it was a blast. And so, but because it was so fun and everything, I also needed that time to myself. I needed time where I could just kind of dive into taking care of me. And so I had to take that as well. So while we were preparing for this Enneagram, um, there were certain things that we wanted to make sure. We wanted to make sure that everybody had fun and we wanted to make sure that everybody was comfortable. And I think we achieved that. Um, it's interesting. You know, this sounds like a, a like a starting line in some bad joke, but when you have a one and nine and an eight working together, we actually work together really well and we get things accomplished and we all dive into different aspects of things. And when we work together, things just work out really, really well. And this was no exception. We did this and it turned out great. And, um, and I'm not even trying to toot my own horn. I was a part of it, but I know that I could not have pulled it off the way it turned out without my girlfriends helping out. They just were just, huge parts of the success. And everybody that showed up was just, they were wonderful. Okay. And it's just a bunch of moms, right? And moms need time to decompress. In fact, my sister-in-law, she came because she just had her sixth baby and you know, moms need that decompression time and she really needed it. And you know, I remember thinking, okay, if nothing else, if the only thing she gets is a nap this weekend. I, I'm going to feel like, you know, success. Like I'm going to give her whatever the heck she needs. And you know, she did. She got more sleep probably that weekend than she's used to. And I'm so grateful for that, um, that we were able to give her that relief that we could play with the baby and that we could, um, you know, give her some reprieve and let her just chill and relax and have some fun. So 
I'm really excited that we were able to do that for so many people. And my, so my, one of my girlfriends told me before the Enneagram, she said, you know, she was feeling kind of lost and, um, she was feeling like she was forgetting herself. And I told her, I said, I'm going to help you find yourself. And that's kind of the way that I go about things. I'm a fixer, right? So especially when my friends are hurting, I take that personally. I take it deeply personally. And I, it hurts me to see my friends hurting. It hurts me in a way I can't even describe it. It just, um, because I don't like being vulnerable, it just, it crushes me. It crushes my heart. And I just want to see all my friends happy, healthy, and thriving. And so this was no exception. I was so sad that my friend was going through this hard time in her life. And she has been there for me in my hard times of life. So it was really, um, you know, so I needed to be there for her and I wanted to be there for her. So I told her on the phone, I said, I'm going to help you find yourself. And she had signed up to go to this retreat. And the one thing that just like touched me so much is I had kind of forgotten that we had had that conversation and she came to the retreat. We talked about the Enneagram and I'm telling you guys, the Enneagram is so incredibly helpful. It's so helpful. It's helpful with your husbands. It's helpful with your kids. It's helpful with yourself the most. It is so helpful in figuring out why you do the things you do and how you respond to things the way you respond and how you can be better. And to pay attention to those destructive behaviors that you have a tendency to have and to be able to work on those. And so my girlfriend came and she, we just had a blast. We all grew up together. And my girlfriend that I hadn't seen in over 25 years, she came as well. And we just giggled and laughed about the past. And it was so therapeutic, so therapeutic. And when my girlfriend got home, she just sent me a text and she just was letting me know she got home because that's another thing. I like to know when my friends have gotten home. <laughs> it's important to me that they made it home safely. So um, she just texted me and she just said, you know, you said you were going to help me find myself and you did. And I just started bawling because I just, I was so happy that we were be able to like help her like find herself again. And I think about all these moms that are struggling right now. We give everything we have and all that we are to our families. And that is the way we should be, right? But we also sometimes get lost in that process. And it was so good to see my friend, see the little girl that I used to play with and see that part of her come back and see the good natured and the silly and the giggly. And we just, it was so incredibly therapeutic. And so I just really took that in and I was just like, I felt so good that I was able to help my friend. And we had lots of people that were like, you should do this again. You should do this again. This was so fun. So, so therapeutic. And, um, and eventually down the road, I would love to do another one because it was just, it turned, it could not have turned out better, but, um, I'm going to give me some time <laughs> to also get some of that, you know, uh, that chill time out as well. So, um, but then I was also talking to all these other people that were at this retreat 
And it, w- it was interesting to me that every single mom there had a different problem. You know, you kind of like rope these moms together and you go, oh, okay, they all are complaining about not having time or, um, or misbehaving kids or whatever. And it, but it was interesting to me because every mom had a different situation and a different kind of stress in her life. And we had, we had things that were similar, but we also had things that were, were very different. And yet we were all able to come and, um, heal to a certain extent and to be able to just find those parts of ourselves that, that were missing. And so I, I got to thinking about that. My girlfriend that I haven't seen in over 25 years, we were talking about childhood and we were talking about how good our childhood was. Okay. I gotta just, you know, and it's funny because my sister-in-law was telling me just this weekend, she said, you know, you were talking with your girlfriends about your childhood and she's like, and she's married to my brother. And so my brother had that same childhood. And she says, you know, Jared talks about, um, his childhood and things were so like, like, I love listening to you guys talk about your childhood because it was just so good. I didn't have a childhood like that. And she's like, and I don't think very many people do. And she's like, but you guys just had the best childhood. And she is so right. Um, I grew up down in Salt Lake City and we lived in a cul-de-sac, um, which is like a dead end circle. And it was magical as a kid. I mean, when you think about our childhood, it kind of was like the wonder years. <laughs> and, and I know that that sounds like so cliche and so silly, but it really was. I mean, we got in trouble. We, uh, we stayed out of trouble most of the time, but we we're just like, I mean, we were outside, especially in the summers from morning to, you know, to night. Like we had, I had, we played kick the can in like almost every night in the summer we played charades or not charades, sorry, sardines. We, um, we had a massive neighborhood water fight where the adults even got in on it. And I'm talking our parents, like it was so much fun. We had silly things that we did, stupid things that we did, things we got into trouble for. Um, but we, we just sat there and giggled over all these childhood memories that we had. We had such a great childhood. And I mean, it's silly things like, you know, jumping on the trampoline, um, you know, uh, even some naughty things. I hope no kids are listening, but like turning off people's power from their brick box, like just pr- pranking people. We used to go toilet papering. And when we were kids, if you got toilet papered, it meant you were awesome. Like you were cool. You were the bomb. I know now people like look at it as vandalism, but Hey, if there's any kids listening to this, if you toilet paper my yard, I'm going to take it as a, as a compliment because that's really what it was when we were kids. Um, if you can afford the toilet paper now, that's the problem, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, we, we would do that almost every weekend. We had something planned. We, you know, we would play outside. We'd sleep on the trampoline. We'd, um, in our backyards and we would, uh, my friend and I would, uh, suntan on our roofs and we would, I had like a little doughboy swimming pool in my backyard and we would play in the pool and, but we just were constantly at each other's houses. And in fact, that was something that we brought up too, is that 
you didn't even know whose kids were whose because we spent so much time at each other's houses. It was just like, that's just the way it was. We were in and out all the time. Um, and we always had something to do always. Like there was never a dull moment. And I was thinking about my kids and I just, my heart broke a little bit because that is not the childhood that my kids have had. And I would love for everyone to have a childhood like mine. It just was so authentic and peaceful and joyful. I just, I wish that my kids had that. And the, and the one thing that has changed, I really do believe is that people is the connection that people have with each other. And I was thinking about my kids' childhood and because they have grown up with the internet and with social media, those connections are, have been severed. And we oftentimes try to see the, the positive side of things. And I definitely want to be more like that, but I do have to bring up one negative. We are watching a deterioration in connections that people have with other people. And I don't think it's a, it's an accident. I really do think that it's one of Satan's biggest tools right now is to disconnect people. And the reason is, is because if we're all disconnected, then it's a lot easier not to care about other people. And so I kind of, my heart broke when I was talking to my girlfriends about our childhood and they were expressing the same thing. Their kids do not have the childhoods that we did. And, uh, and it is a lot of it. It's technology. It's our kids are spending their time on their phones or on technology or playing Nintendo instead of being outside and playing and having imaginations and getting into trouble, getting into mischief. And, you know, just there was something that was so like it gave me independence as a child, knowing that I had to be home at a certain time, knowing that these were my boundaries and I was allowed anywhere within those boundaries. Um, we were not my par parents. None of our parents were helicopter parents. We always assumed that, you know, and granted, I know today is a very different world, right? We don't live in the world that we did. And that is hard. Like for me as a parent, that's hard because I wasn't exposed to half of the stuff that my kids are exposed to. And so there is this learning curve, right? We're trying to teach our kids to have the wholesome things in life. At the same time, we're trying to learn this, this technology stuff because that is what our kids are exposed to every single day. Now I'm pretty like, you know, I'm pretty strict on what my kids are, um, what they're exposed to, if you will. Um, I, we definitely have rules and it doesn't mean like, you know, rules haven't been broken. They absolutely have, but there's always like, you know, a consequence and a punishment. And, but anyway, the thing is, is like, we, I want that so much for my kids. I want them to have those connections. I want them to have those people that they were so close to that they show up at 25 years later to your Enneagram retreat just to, to be seen again as that kid that they used to be. Because we all miss the kid that we used to be. We all do. We miss that innocence. We miss that playfulness. We miss that 
lack of like caring what people think. We miss our childhoods. And so it's so awesome when we get back with those childhood friends because we can remember that part of ourselves. And so my friend that I hadn't seen in 25 years, it was so good to see her and it was so fun to see how she's changed. You know, the last time I saw her, we were kids. And to see her change to develop into being a mom, um, to seeing the type of mom she is. And she's a wonderful mom. And she is so loving and so kind. And it was just so fun to talk about those things that that used to matter to us and maybe not so much now, but they meant a lot to us then. And those connections that, you know, are just, they're there. They're just there forever because she was the one that you went and, you know, doorbell ditched, you know, with, and she was the one that you went toilet papering with. And she's the one that you told spooky ghost stories with on the trampoline and scared the poop out of yourselves and, you know, had to run inside and sleep inside that night. These are the memories. These are the, the core things inside our hearts that give us joy. And so she is always going to be a part of my life story. And it's those connections that I want my kids to have. I want them to have those core people in their lives. And I'm watching my children and they don't. They do not have those core people in their lives. And it makes me so sad. It's like we're creating these relationships that are disposable. We live in this very disposable world. We have paper plates. We have paper utensils. We have um, toilet paper. Thank heavens for that, right? Okay. We, I'm not that old. We always had toilet paper, but I mean, and we had those things as kids as well. But I think nowadays, especially we have just become like this disposable. Everything's disposable at this point. We've got masks that are disposable. We've got, we've got all this stuff that is like throw away. Okay. And nothing is like, nothing's really like a keepsake anymore. Like even if you talk to people about keepsakes or sentimental things, does anybody have those anymore? I think about, I think about my kids and I just think there is something, some value to like not having sentimentality over materialistic things. However, like I find even in my own home, there is not anything that my kids really cherish or value as something that, you know, if it was gone, they would be really upset by. Everything is so disposable that it makes nothing special. And I've really struggled with that. And I, and I just, I wanted my kids to have that core, that core people that were influential in their life, that they have those memories that they can take into their old age when you know, when life gets a little bit dull, when they need to remember who they are, they are going to be the people that they look back fondly and they're going to remind them of who they are. So it just was, it, it was such an awesome experience, but it was really humbling as well because I'm, I'm working on this connection thing with my own kids. I want to connect with my own kids. And I realized that it might be my, my job. Like I, it might be my job now to make sure that they have these core memories, that they have these opportunities that they look back on fondly and they think, you know what? 
that was a good time. That was a good time in our life. And the other thing is, is the world is not getting easier, right? I mean, everything is chaotic. Everything is like, like up in the air. Everything is political, it seems like. And there's just a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and a lot of just things that are negative out in the world right now. And it's been tough for me because while I'm like a realist and I definitely, I'm the protector, right? So I want to know what's coming at me so that I can dodge it. But at the same time, those things can wear you down and make you cynical and make you unpleasant to be around. And I'm guilty of that. Anybody who knows me knows I'm guilty of that. I try hard, but sometimes I get in those funks as well. And it's so like, it's so awesome to be able to think, okay, just because we don't have something doesn't mean it's lost forever. I can create those things for my kids. I can't create, you know, them connecting with other people. I'm going to have to teach them that skill and they're going to have to try to do that on their own. But I can create like these situations. I can create a neighborhood water fight. It is a little bit harder where I live. We're super rural. So, you know, it's not as easy. However, the thing is, is we can do those things where we show our kids how to have fun. What's wholesome fun? What what creates connections with people? And you know what? I know people in this world that create those con- those connections and that are just a blast to be around. There is a girl in our community and her face is the first thing that pops up when I think of someone who just knows how to have fun. And, um, and if you know her, you'll understand. Um, she, her name is Ramona and she just, she's a blast. She is a blast to be around, but it's not even just the fun thing she does. It's the way she talks to you. It's the way that she makes everybody her best friend when you're around. And it is the most awesome skill I've ever seen. I'm a little bit jealous of it. I'm not going to lie. But she just has this adorable quality to make personal relationships with everybody that she speaks to. And she is genuine and she is caring and she is 100% like herself. She and she's unapologetic for it. Like she just is who she is. And not to say now I'm not trying to put her up on this pedestal, but it is these qualities that I I really admire. And I'm sure that, you know, she has flaws somewhere. <laughs> but I, but you know, these qualities that I'm like seeking for my kids, these are the things that I want for my children. I got a phone call. I really hope you guys didn't hear that. So, um, anyway, these are just the thoughts that are in my head. And during these tough times in the world, I think that we need to really show our kids how to let loose, how to have fun, how to have wholesome fun, how to leave the world behind, even if just for a little bit and find that joy that is from just being. And especially with these kids now, they suffer with anxiety and depression and self-confidence issues, all of which kind of come go hand in hand 
with social media, right? It's like, if you don't get invited to a party, like back in 1990, you didn't necessarily know about it, you know, because people generally kept their mouth shut. And if somebody slipped up, okay, you'd find out later. But like, you didn't have to see every detail of that party. Now it's like, if you don't get invited to a party, it's posted all over Instagram. You see how much fun everybody else is having. You see who else was invited and how everyone was invited except for you. These are all very damaging to our kids. It's very damaging. And as parents, we're, you know, like, we have been on both sides of it, right? So we've been on the side where our kid has a party and somebody feels left out because they weren't invited. But we've also been on the other side where our kid has been the one that hasn't been invited. So the thing is, is like, all of these things bring extra challenges to us as parents and connecting with our kids and also helping our kids connect with others is like a dying art. It really is. You can have a friend for a week and then like three weeks later, you barely know that person. I've seen my kids do it. It's insane to me. It's like, you know, they'll hang out for a period of time and then I'll be like, hey, I haven't seen you hang out with so-and-so for a while. And she'll be like, yeah, she just doesn't talk to me anymore. I'm like, well, what happened? Did you have a falling out? No, no, we just don't hang out anymore. I, I don't even understand that mentality. I just don't. If I make a friend, I make a friend for life. And I'm watching my second oldest daughter go through that. She is very, very loyal And I remember a little bit of this even when I was in high school. High school's a rough time. Junior high's a rough time. Um, Growing up is rough. It's not easy. And I was always like far more loyal than most of the kids my own age. And it was something that um, I honestly think it was probably due to my past. Um, Loyalty was something that became very important to me. And, um, so I really, I strove hard. I strived hard to be, to be that loyal person for people. Um, it doesn't mean I was perfect or that I didn't make mistakes or stupid things I did to people. I did stupid things, but ultimately loyalty was really important to me and it benefited me. I mean, like I say, I still have my same best friend that I've had since I was six years old and she's still a large part of my life. And so for me, I'm watching my second to oldest daughter go through these same struggles. And the struggle is like most teenagers don't have that loyalty yet. It takes them some maturity to get into that place of loyalty. They just don't have it. Um, And I think that social media has actually made it worse because we don't really value those connections anymore. Like we just kind of everything's disposable. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, and you move on and you don't try to. And I mean, it's even, it's even in reports with like our, um, our divorce rates, right? Our divorce rates have gone up significantly. And it's because, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to get divorced. There are appropriate reasons for getting divorced, but I do think that it is sad as a society, we have learned not to fix things just to replace them. And that is the disconnect that I'm seeing with my kids. And my second oldest daughter, she is a mini me. She really is. And I, and that brings me so much horror. (laughs) 
because I, I know she's smarter than me, but it just makes me so apprehensive because I'm like, oh, please, please, please be better than me. Um, but she has so many characteristics that I had as a teenager and she has this loyalty bone and it is so strong and she's an eight as well. And when she gets hurt, she puts up big, big walls and it's really hard to get past them. And she has like this, I call it RBF, but for, you know, to put it nicely, it's called stink face. And she has this stink face that she sometimes gives off, not even on purpose, but as a coping mechanism, right? And I, I just, I remember so fond, like, not fondly, sorry, wrong word. Um, so clearly, like people coming up to me, you know, like years later and being like, you know, at first when I met you, I was so intimidated by you. And, you know, I thought you hated me. And I'm like, what? Like, why would you think that? But then I realized, like, I gave off this vibe. It was like, I was a little bit apprehensive about letting people in my tribe at first. Like it took a little bit. Like once I decided you were in my tribe, you were in my tribe for life. But it, you know, if you wanted to be in my tribe, it was, it took some, it took a little bit of coaxing and it took a little bit of time until I knew you well, until I knew um, that you were authentic, that you weren't just feeding me a whole bunch of garbage, um, that you were really like, you know, you weren't looking to stab me in the back. And I'm watching this with my second oldest and she just, she's so loyal. And yet because she's so loyal, that also brings on a lot of pain because naturally teenagers just aren't there yet. And, and it's okay. It's okay. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses that happens to be her strength. And she has other weaknesses. And the thing is, is it, but it is so hard because teaching her that those connections are worth fighting for is really difficult because I know she looks at me like I'm crazy sometimes. Like you told me to go for this connection with this person and look, I got hurt and learning how to not build up a wall every time somebody hurts you is really hard. And I look at us as adults and I can tell who has been hurt, who has big walls, who has, who is, um, even my friends that I feel like I know well, um, I can tell when they're putting walls up again and I have to assess the situation and I have to say, okay, why is she putting up big walls? Why is she putting big walls? Is it because something I've done? Is it something I've said? And of course we all like go through that, right? Like, is it something that's going on with me? Is it something that's going on with her? And it's not until I communicate with her and I say, Hey, are we good? Like, is there something going on? Can I help? It's not until I put forth that effort of acknowledging that something's off and then communicating with her that either it goes away or we resolve it hopefully, right? And communication is so important. And where communication is important is because I don't have those kind of conversations like over texting or even over the phone. 
I have to look at that person's face and I have to read their body language, which also I think is a dying art. Either It's either a dying art or people are just like oblivious to it. Um, but because I've noticed there has been situations where I've like not even been involved, but I've watched a scenario play out and I'm like, dude, oh, eh, can you see what her body is doing? Just stop, stop. <laughs> it's kind of like watching like a, like a horror movie, you know, like they're going to go and look under that bed and you're like, what are you doing? And, but it happens, right? So, um, you know, I have those conversations in person. I want to have those conversations in person. I want to have them when I'm chill. I want to have them when I'm like chilled out. But it's, it's those things like that we, now my girls are complaining that, you know, now they don't even know how to talk to people, um, in person because of their phones. She like my, my daughter had a date come pick her up one day and, um, and we have a rule that if somebody comes to pick you up on a date, you put your phone in your pocket and unless it's an emergency or you need to get a hold of somebody, you keep your phone in your pocket. It's a respect thing, right? So my daughter showed up, this guy picked her up and he just stayed on his phone the whole time. This, and she's like, we didn't talk. She's like, we didn't do anything. She's like, I got a couple grunts out of him. Um, but then when she got home, all of a sudden it was that fun, nice person that she had been, you know, chatting with before, but he could not remain that person when they were in contact face to face. And to me, it's like this terrifying sci-fi movie. I'm like, wait a second. So he's like a totally different person, like over text, but then he gets an, and trust me, I understand shy. I totally get it. My husband is the shyest person I had ever met when we got married. I literally, this is a story for another day, but I literally kissed him first because he told me that he was afraid to. And I literally asked him to marry me, kind of. And I literally had to do it all first because he was so shy. So I understand shy. And actually, there is something very endearing about shy. Uh, but this is different. It's like just awkwardness. It's awkward. And it's, it's something that is plaguing our children. <laughs> and I have to constantly remind my kids, look, if you don't want to be awkward, because like even my second um, oldest child, you know, she's, she's come to me and she says, I'm worried. I'm awkward. Um, she's like, I'm working on it. She's like, but because I'm putting up some walls and, and we have to go in and talk about that and we have to break down these walls. The thing is, is like, I think our kids are going through these situations that they don't even know how to navigate. They don't know what to do in these situations. And as parents, half the time, let's be honest, we're on our phone so much that we don't even take the time to explain to them what's going on in the first place. But two, we, we don't know how to navigate this because we've never had to do that as a youth. These kids are going through things that we never had to go through or experience. If I got picked up on a date when I was 16 years old, I had his undivided attention. I, we had to talk to each other face to face because we could talk on the phone, but we didn't have texting. I, I mean, good grief. AOL, it took like 
what, 45 minutes to even get connected. And by the time you sent the message, you might as well run over to his house and you could have a full-fledged conversation before it even connected. So the thing is, is we're living in this world we don't even understand. And our kids are trying to navigate it. And we're trying to help our kids navigate it. And, but this is new to us as well. So it's like this really weird transition and this really weird time. But I really do think that connecting with those around us is so huge. It's biblical, right? Love thy neighbor. And you can't love somebody you don't know. It's just kind of impossible. We can care for people and we can have sympathy or empathy is a better word for people. But it's really hard to say with 100% authenticity, I love that person without knowing that person. It's like that quote that says, um, to know someone is to love them. And I really, really actually agree with that a ton. There have been people that have come into my life that I thought, oh dear, okay, I have a strong personality. This person has a strong personality. How is this going to go? We've kind of avoided each other because we kind of get this vibe that we wouldn't get along. And then I'm put in a situation with that person and we're stuck together. And God has done this to me so many times. And I'm so thankful every time he does. But he puts you in this situation with this person that you can't get out of it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I love you. Like I adore you. You are the funnest person. You are the greatest person I've ever met. And it's not until we get to know that person that we realize that all those assumptions we made about that person are wrong. That we just didn't know them. And I truly do believe that it's nearly impossible not to love somebody you know well. And if you have a hard time with somebody, you probably need to get to know them better because if you knew them better, you probably wouldn't have the problems that you're having. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure, you know, just like me, everybody has problems with people that they're close to. We all have irritations, right? I'm irritating. I'm sure that there's people right now that are listening to this that says, oh, oh yes, she is. That girl, she is annoying as all get out. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Okay, there was a little hesitation there. I, I, I'm going to tell you this is a little off topic, but I'm trying really hard to quit squ- swearing. I kind of have a farmer's mouth. I don't have a sailor's mouth, but I kind of have a farmer's mouth. You know, like all those like farmer words, right? But I've been trying really hard and I just caught myself there. So I'm going to give myself a little toot toot for stopping myself because I really did. I really did stop myself. So, oh dear. I just turned my vacuum on in my car. Oh dear. And here we are in red, in real life. I hope you guys enjoyed that. A little, I should, good grief. I should get like, I don't know, sponsored for that, right? The vacuum coming on. This is a sponsor from Bissell. Okay. Now that that's over. Um. Anyway, thank you for being with Goofy Me. So I just think that we need to help our kids work on those connections. And one way that we can help with those those difficulties with teaching our kids those connections is working on those connections ourselves, being that example. If we can be that example, we can teach our kids how to have the most amazing 
childhoods. We can give them those tools for them to create these lives that bring them joy. And because the things that bring us joy in this life are not things. They're people. They're people. They're connections. They're the things that are lasting. And we're running out of the lasting things in this world. Everything is disposable. And if there's nothing lasting, then it's all for naught. It's all pointless. If I can just throw you away tomorrow, then you didn't mean anything to me today. And there's something incredibly sad, but also incredibly hopeful with that. It encourages me to keep those friendships that I have fought so hard for. And it helps me to make sure that everybody that I'm connecting with, that if I want anything to come of it, that I am putting forth the effort that needs to be there. But it also is something that we should take a long look at and decide whether or not we're living a connected life or a disposable life. And that sometimes is difficult. It's difficult to look in the mirror and find, you know, the part that we are playing in those things that we don't have or, or, you know, making ourselves responsible for the situations that we're in. And I don't believe in victims. I believe that there are victims, but I don't believe in victim mentality. I don't believe in staying a victim. I think everybody has things that they have to work through, some more severe than others. And we can all be there and help those people heal. But we also have a responsibility to ourselves and to those around us to heal ourselves, to be better than we were yesterday, but to put in the effort to be the people that we want to be, but also to gain those skills gain those characteristics that we want to see in others. If we want a good friend, we have to learn to be one. And those are the things that I think need to take more focus from all of us. We sometimes focus on the wrong things. And whatever you're focused on, you will go toward. It's kind of like that universal law. You know, um, so I help teach dance and one of the things we teach in dance is spotting. And it's something I say so frequently to those girls is that wherever you're looking is the way that you're going to go. You're going to navigate in that direction because it's where you're focused. And so if you have a spot that you want to get, focus on that spot and Life is the same way. And sometimes we hit like big rocks and we get thrown off our path a little bit. But then it's our responsibility to look around, straighten ourselves up, find our spot again, and, you know, continue on our way. No life is perfectly straight without bumps or curves or turns or, you know, cracks in the road. We all have them, but I think where we put our focus is really important. And if you are a people person like me, 
I often think about people and I'll be honest, the last couple of weeks I've been really stressed out. I am not super pleased with the way I've handled some people. It's not something I'm proud of. I had to go and apologize. I had to try to fix things. And sometimes, you know, ugh, eating crow is hard. It's really hard to eat crow. I don't know if you've ever tasted crow. doesn't taste good. It's really bitter. And it's it sucks. <laughs> so try not to eat crow. But if you do eat crow, I would hope that everybody would, you know, spit it out and uh, try to uh, make that right. Because it's just not, yeah, it's not a well-balanced diet. That's for sure. So guys, thank you for being here, listening to me ramble. Because let's be honest, that's what I'm doing. Um, And I just want to let you know that if you are someone that I have been too blunt with, that I have made a mistake and I have hurt your feelings or I have done something to offend you, I hope you guys all know that I really am truly sorry. If you need to heal from that by telling me that I hurt you, please do that. I I honestly do not strive to hurt people. I don't. Um, and if I can rectify it, I want to. I want to be given that opportunity. Sometimes we're not always aware of how we come across or how um, how we affected somebody because some people are more sensitive to things than other people. And I definitely run into that category a lot because I am so blunt. I don't get, I don't get offended very easily, but I have come to realize like, just cause I'm that way doesn't mean everybody is. So if I need to apologize or anything like that, I please let me know and I will do my best because I am trying to be a better person. I really am. That's my goal in this life is just to be a bit, little bit better than I was yesterday. Not always successful, but I'm trying. So just know that I truly do care about everybody that I come in contact with. I care about how you feel. I care about you as a person. And I hope that you guys will lend me the grace that I need to be a better person, but also, you know, forgive me for some of those annoying and blunt, uh, silly opportunities that I shouldn't take, but I take. Um, but you know, you guys are all, you know, great people. And I just, yeah, we friends, right? 